Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, February 23, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket today. The market is in one of those what we like to call teetering positions. We're going to get both sides on the table. We're going to get the debacle on the table. We're going to get the other side of what sometimes what they'll do on the table. We'll get to that in a few moments. What's that line running across the screen? Once again, 432.70. Interestingly enough, and I want to get this one out on the table right away, the opening print today, and here's our trusty short-term chart, the opening print today, the 935 candle ending, 935. Opening print, 432.69. Are there any accidents or coincidences in the market? The short answer is no, there isn't. Probably no, there aren't. What you'll see in the notes inside the numbers is that was the pivot right out of the chute. If they were going to stay above, the market had another leg higher. If they couldn't stay above, we didn't necessarily know that they finished near the lows of the day all the way down where they did, but it was certainly the pivot for the not-so-bull case. At the time, we were having a gap higher open, so it wasn't like a bearish open, but we just knew they had to be above for the next leg higher. Let's focus on the daily chart. What do we have? Well, there's no change to the trend. The trend is down, obviously. Now, the question is, and what we said is, once they got below these pivots, like for example, yesterday's low, these pivots here, There was nothing left from a larger picture perspective. Maybe some intraday stuff, but from the daily chart and beyond, there's nothing left other than the January 24th low. That comes in at 420.76. Now, I'll show you something interesting in a moment, but now the question on the table is, what do they do with that low? And what we're really focused on for the bigger picture is the weekly chart, because If they close the week below that low, it has a much more dire meaning than if they get below it intraday or if they close below it for one day. But if they close below it on Friday, for example, that's a really negative situation. It opens the door for another leg lower. And what I can say is, we don't know this for a fact, but what I can say is closing the week below can certainly accelerate the selling going forward. Since we're on the weekly chart, let's talk a little bit about volume. What we notice here, and it's a light blue, so it's hard to see, but the volume in that reversal week was almost a billion shares. It was 921 million shares. That's big volume. Now, the week's not up yet, but we're at 247 million shares thus far this week, below the average volume. We don't know where it finishes. We don't know what happens tomorrow and Friday. But what we do know is there will be defense played at that low by the institutional crowd. They may play it in front. They may play it right on the number. They may play a spike of that number, not letting it close the week below. Now, if they're not able to do that and the Bears win the battle and they do close below, watch out below. What I'm saying here is the fact, 
And it's a fact. We're just looking at information that's available to everybody. The fact that there was reversal type volume, heavy volume, there were buyers in there, there were institutional buyers at that price in that bar during that week. The question that we're asking, that I'm asking of Mrs. Market is, does she have, do the bears have the fuel in the tank to beat those institutional participants that turned the market around that price? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. On a weekly close, that's a bad situation for the bulls. However, here's one of the scenarios that takes place. We don't know if it will happen, but we need to have the awareness that it does happen. We've seen it happen before. It happens all the time on a variety of different time frames. Here we are on the daily chart, so let's talk about it. Once again, the low is 420.76. Let's just say tomorrow for argument's sake. Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's sometime next week. However, let's just say we wake up to a gap down. It looks like this is it. Everybody's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They've shaken out just about everybody that had a desire to be long the market, and then miraculously, at some point, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, whenever it is, all of a sudden, the market starts to turn, buyers beget buyers, panic buying sets in, the short squeeze begins, next scene shows, they've reversed the tape again. Now, in that scenario, that would give a trader something to trade against. They spike a low, they reverse back up, close above it in the same day, you have something to trade against. It would be that day's low, and it may be far away, but you at least have something to trade against at a bare minimum up until the point in which they began closing, if they did, below the former low on the daily chart. That is a potential trade setup. You don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, But that's the garden variety, 30,000 foot view, conceptual view. The question would come up as, well, why can't you just buy a spike of the low? Well, you can, but you might lose. They could keep going. What I'm saying is, you have to wait for the market to indicate to you that it's doing something that at least you're clear on. At least you have something to trade against. At least you have reference in the past that it's done the same thing, you've seen this before, and again, if it's a duck, it walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Using the 80-20 rule, the majority of the time, it's going to be a duck. For example, sometimes it's not a duck. Today, for me, and we'll get more into this a little bit later, it wasn't necessarily a duck type of market. It was what I call a weird tape. And when I further that conversation, when I see markets that aren't necessarily doing the normal thing that I expect them to do. What's that? Well, think about it like this. If I use, and we'll call it a formula, if I use the same formula to come up with my numbers every single day, whether it's the morning, throughout the day, whatever it is, I keep using the same thing over and over again. Why? Because it works the majority of the time. Using the 80-20 rule, the duck theory. Well, guess what? Today, I was on the other side of that. I was in the 20% camp. The same process I was using, the numbers really weren't working the same. That's when I say something's wrong with the market 
And by the way, that generally speaking tells me they're setting up for a bigger move. Well, maybe that began today. Maybe it was for the rest of the day after I discussed that with the live room. But that's the way I interpreted my understanding of not being able to understand why the market wasn't doing the normal thing today. Normal thing is, if I'm using my formula and the formula works, it's normal. If it doesn't work, there's something different going on. That's my view. That's the way I look at things. And to wrap up the daily chart, everything right now is about this low. We don't need to look at the other charts. We don't need to look at the 240, the 120, the hourly. It doesn't make any difference. Everything is this low. It's magnetic. They should run a test of that low. In my opinion, and this is just an opinion, we don't know what's going to happen until it happens, but they should spike the low. The question is, will the defense be sent out on the field to defend that low? Here's a snapshot of inside the numbers. Each and every day, no matter what happens, we look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll circle back to stocks on the move, and we'll check out one of the uglies. We had a fugly. We had a shit burger. We'll circle back to that later. It's hump day. They tried to stage a rally overnight. We were waking up to what looked like some kind of recovery situation. Of course, now we know that it was sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew. They got a lot of traders today. They got yours truly. It is what it is. It happens. It's a function of the business. Follow through will be needed for the bulls to save face. Where does that follow through happen? Well, let's get right down to the numbers. 432.70 is the key once again for the second time. It was really more than the second time, but I just like the way that sounds. Opening above is the start the bulls are looking for. Where did they open? How about a penny below? Accidents or coincidences? No dice. Getting above opens the door for some other stuff. We don't need that. Now, we always look at both sides, so we'll watch a few numbers on the downside for a shakeout crew operation to run a test of. 431.60, give or take, is the first. 430.35 is the next. Here's your five-minute chart. We don't need the vertical. You can see what happened. It starts right here. 431.60, they hovered over it, and then they cut through it. 430.35, they tried to stop on it for a few minutes, and then they cut through it. And then they went lower, tried to rally back to run a retest, and then they traded away the rest of the day. Same process I use every single day didn't work today. Let's scroll up, see what else we have. And again, I urge you to pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts. Whether I was right or wrong, you're still going to learn something every single day, no matter what. See right here, 932 on a shakeout, 431.65, give or take, should be support and produce a bounce back in the other direction. Didn't happen. Let's move on. For a while there, they weren't getting too far away from 432.70. So what it looked like is they were just eating time off the clock, getting ready to bust it through. That's what my take was, and that was wrong, but that's what I thought was going to take place. Let's put it this way. They don't usually hang out all night and all morning, getting ready to gap higher open, do it, and then fail. It does happen, obviously, it's called a gap and crap, but it's not the norm. A lot of traders had their ass handed to them today, there's no doubt in my mind. Here's another one. Now the door's open for a spike of 429. How much of a spike? At least 15, 20 cents, something like that. So I'm looking for them to get to 429, we're fast forwarding a little bit, and then spike it. Now here's 429, the lower line. 
you could see where it was important. It was support, meaning it stopped the market from going down, at least temporarily. Even when they did go down, they popped back up, looked like they were going to recover again, and then failed one more time. So the number was important, but the grip on the market was just too much today. And we're moving along. So as you can see, I took this trade. I ended up getting out of this trade at a loss. Even though it came back above 429, I didn't wait around all that time. I kind of already knew that it wasn't going to be my day in the market by 10 o'clock in the morning. And by the way, and this is important information, I got this question in the room today, in the live room, is on a day like today, when you're having trouble, you're taking some losses, whatever the case is, do you step away or do you look for another trade, try to make it back? I'm paraphrasing the question, but that was the concept. There was some discussion around that. And the final answer is, if you try to revenge trade business, it doesn't work. We all know that. Once in a while, you'll win, but most of the time, you compound the losses. The other thing is, sometimes our psyche plays such havoc on our own self, our subconscious, that we don't even realize that we're actually looking for not a trade, but an excuse to get into a trade without even realizing that we're doing it. That's also because we're in that situation where our emotions are actually driving the decisions. So the short answer became out of that discussion, I generally will step away and just look at the market, I'll analyze the market, I'll do what I do, I'll do my job, but I'm not going to take another trade, most likely. That turned out to be the case today, I just didn't do it. Thought about the market all day, watched the market all day, tried to see where I went wrong, and the conclusion was that my process just didn't work, now I'm moving on. I'm not going to change my process, this has happened before, it'll happen again, it just doesn't happen that often. Since you got the picture, I'll scroll up, I'll let you read the notes, go back to the charts, do whatever you like, then we're going to circle back to stocks on the move and we'll take a look at those charts. Net net is, once they got below a certain number, and you can read it in the notes, it was, I believe, 425.86, then the door was open for the low that we just discussed, they almost got there, they didn't quite get there today, but the door was open and that's what we began to happen. You can read it all in the notes and see what happened after the commentary. Stocks on the move. We're going to take a look at the charts where they did hit their entry targets. We're going to take a look at TJX. We're going to take a look at ASAN. The others did not. They're off the board. They're no trades. We'll start with ASAN, which was in fact the shit burger. You see the two numbers on the board. The thing just cut through everything like a hot knife through butter. The numbers just didn't work. It was a function of type of market today against my process just didn't work. I took a loss. Other traders took a loss. We move on. It sucks. I get it. About TJX. Check this out. Numbers important? I think so. Opening print. $60.92 against $60.90. So let's say you had an order in in the pre-market to be executed after the open. You're in the trade and you got this little rip right here. They came down and then look at that rip. Now you're not sticking around after you get the first rip to go all the way lower. And they came up short of the second number before turning around and going on a rip-roaring rocket ride. And I couldn't wait to say this. The numbers work. This one did. What's going on over in Camp IWM? So this is interesting. So let's check out 
the S&P 500 against, let's compare and contrast, the SPY against the IWM daily chart. So as you see here, that same low that we've been looking at, this one was January 28th, not the 24th, different date, similar low, same concept. We're nowhere near that low as compared to the S&P 500. Now, we know this, that the IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator, but the same thing's going to apply on the weekly chart. The low over here, which happens to be 188.09, is the line in the sand. That's your Irene number. Here's a concept. Again, this is hypothetical. This is awareness stuff. You have to know what to look for before it happens so that you can see it. So let's just say, in the hypothetical, the S&P 500, the SPY, dips below the former low from the 24th. They spike the low, and they do the thing where they snap back either same day or next day to get back above that former low, kind of starting that concept that we discussed. It can happen. It's happened many times, so we're on the lookout for it. And the same time, the IWM didn't even get to and below its low from the 28th, this weekly low. If that's the case, that would be a pretty good indicator, like a bullish indicator, if you will. Things to watch out for, things to put on a sticky note, not things to anticipate and take a trade ahead of it. You have to wait for the market to do the thing before you can put on the trade. What about the folks down at the transportation department? I stayed on the weekly chart because we have the exact opposite situation that we just discussed in the IWM. Now, the transports are my second favorite market-leading indicator, but as we know, a number one canary in the coal mine. This low here, 14,567, 28th of January. The low today, 14,504 against 567. They closed below the weekly low in the transports. Now, it doesn't really matter as much as it will on Friday if they stay down. So again, canary in the coal mine, another set of pivots down here. So this isn't really the same type of Irene situation. Start getting below this stuff over here, these pivot lows from the 24th of September and the 1st of October. Again, this is a weekly chart, so that's the week ending those dates. That becomes more of an Irene situation for the transports. Remember what we talked about. Here's a monthly chart. We have a breakup candle low, 13,981. We're calling it 14,000 for argument's sake. See that? You go back over to the weekly chart, and you'll see how important that price is, those pivots, the monthly chart, the weekly chart. You see what's going on here. While they're giving up this low from January, the target, the destination is likely somewhere in the neighborhood of 14000 maybe a little above, maybe a little below. But as far as the month is concerned, where the month closes, the month of February, is going to be extremely important against 14,000, and that becomes important on Monday's close. Monday is the 28th. The 28th is the last day of February, and it happens to be my wife's birthday. Oh, shit. Wrapping up the transports, you see the daily chart. I'll leave the 14,000 up there. There's nothing below this low until you get down to that zone. Another flip side of the IWM is the Q people. 
comfortably below January's low, headed for a date with the 100 period moving average around 317, give or take. There's likely a buy in there for a bounce back in the other direction. Nobody will want it by the time it gets there. There's an opportunity around 315 up to 317. Could be a little bit lower, but that's the general ballpark. The financials. We were looking at a couple of things with the financials, and one of the things we focused on was the lower high. You had a high, lower high. Look at you now below all the moving averages. This is a troubled situation. Again, on the flip side, here's your January 24th low. Nowhere near that low. However, below the 200 period moving average opens the door for these pivots and that low. And there is an Irene number involved in the XLF, the low here of 3682. That's not Irene by itself, but you start challenging these pivots. The selling can accelerate once you close the week. If they close a week below the 50-week moving average, you're going to challenge these pivots, and selling can and usually does accelerate. Smash Mouth, again, as it relates to the same low, that all the charts, we have to look at that low because that's the next big, important, magnetic, support, reversal. That's the big next spot. Like other markets, we have a divergence from some, and it's in concert with others. Similar to the IWM diverging from the QQQ and others. Everything's going to be about the weekly close and that low across all these markets. Which ones do? Which ones don't? Do they bounce back? Do they close back above it? Do they stay below? Do they close the week below? All that stuff is on the table, on the docket. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.